Hi, folks. Welcome back to the second episode of the new podcast I have titled The Unfounded. Thanks for just coming back if you listened to the first episode. Uh, right off the bat here, I want to kind of explain a couple of things that I'm going to do with this that I didn't really get a chance to get into that first one. If you couldn't tell, that was uh, a very off-the-cusp first episode, just kind of a, a beta test, essentially, to see, get my ideas down. But where I'm going with now is uh, I want to... Like I said in the previous podcast, I want to make sure that we're talking about big issues, the unfounded issues, the things that that people don't want to prod, right? Uh, and in order to do that, I think it's really important that I present to you an unfiltered version of what I'm thinking about. And so one of my goals is going to be through this podcast to not uh, edit out anything that I say, okay? Um, this is going to be completely unfiltered. This is going to be the things coming into my mind and then going directly to you, right? Uh, the only thing I will do uh, if there is big long pauses or breaks where I don't have anything to say, I will edit out that break. Uh, so there's not you're not just listening for like 10 minutes because sometimes things just don't come to you, right? Um, but I want to do that because I think there's something important in uh, kind of unfiltering, uh, unfiltering yourself. I think there's it's one of the main issues uh, we are experiencing today, uh, especially with social media and the internet. Uh, that may be a good topic to kind of start off with, uh, the internet. Profound comes to mind as an invention. It's hard to describe how profound the invention of the internet is. Uh, it's obviously connected us, right? It's connected ideas, people from across the world, different countries, different experiences, different cultures, societies, and it's produced a lot uh, of good and bad things. On the good side, I think it's fairly obvious. You know, there's this ease with life that's been kind of enabled. By the internet, uh, it's enabled us to experience things that we never would have been had access to. You know, I think a good example of this is actually podcasts. You know, if any of you listen to Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or any of those big names out there, man, like those people were inaccessible ten years ago. You wouldn't have been able to to engage with them at the level that you do with the ideas that you engage them with them at. And I don't know about you. But I know I have been feeling over the last couple of years as I've gotten more into podcasts themselves uh, that you, you almost, in a sense, create a community. And it's a very weird community because it's a community of people that you actually don't know, but you feel deeply connected to. You feel close to because you, you, it's like you have observed them for a very, very long time. And, and that's a really weird, different thing that's happening there. And it also kind of leads into, you know, the other part of the good aspect of, of the internet is it brings people together in that sense, people that would have never been able to, to, to experience each other. So that's, that's amazing. On the flip side, <laughs> there's always a flip side, right? What's on the flip side? I think we also all have a pretty good idea about the negative consequences of the internet. But I think one of the main ones is it's done something with the way we engage with each other. And I think what it has fundamentally shifted the way that human beings interact. And in some ways, it's a less efficient form of interaction or communication because it hasn't been streamlined yet. We don't understand what it is. We don't understand how to communicate properly with the tools we have over the internet, right? Texting and messaging and GIFs and all this kind of stuff. You can see it kind of start to evolve. Whereas like, just anybody that just texts somebody, right? Or you just message somebody. There's this lack of depth in what you say. And it's very, it's a very empty feeling when you send a text, like I find. 
many of you may find yourself rewriting text over and over and over and over again. And I think the reason we do that is because we're trying to find just the right way to convey the feeling that we're saying that those words with. But it's almost impossible to properly convey the feeling that, that you would convey in person because the way you do that in person is is through thousands of little micro expressions, tone, you know, p- posture, uh, timing. I mean, all of that stuff uh, kind of goes into the person's perception of what you're saying. Now, when you take away that, you know, that external factor where it's, it's very, very, you're simplifying the communication to just text. You're losing that context without a doubt. And what we're trying to do, I think, right now is bring some of that context back. That's why you see first emojis become a thing. And the first people are like, what's this? You just send a smiley face. Oh, okay. But now it's become almost ubiquitous with texting. You almost have to use emojis with texting, right? Um, it's just something that, that, that's become part of it. It's been incorporated in. And then with that, as as emojis started to become a thing, you start to see GIFs. It's like, okay, so we have the faces, the basic expressions. Now we want to add the situation to it. So we're going to put the emotion into a situation, and that's what a GIF is. You know what I mean? And 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 it just shows you the action. You know, it shows you the some of the some more context that you may be missing. And and there's something there's something fascinating about that, that we're building something there. And I brought it up as a negative, the communication aspect, because I think it's been a real painful process. (laughs) I think there's been a lot of broken relationships, a lot of miscommunication, just a lot of hurt uh, surrounding people not being able to properly express themselves with the tools available, right? And I think that that may be changing slowly. We're evolving, and the form of communication is evolving. But anyway, I thought the internet was kind of an interesting topic to to start with because it's, it's changed the world so fundamentally. It's exposing us to things that we didn't have exposure to. And it's making us uncomfortable. I think that's a good topic to go with this as well. You know, I think we first really, the first time we really recognized the power of the internet to disperse information and to kind of make you feel small um, was, at least for me, during the 2016 election. And the reason I say that is because there was this bubbling up of like, extreme emotion around that time you know and there's a lot of different reasonings for that right like I don't want to get into the specifics but the excuse me too I'm also kind of sick so I'm, I'm kind of getting over a cold here I apologize if my voice is a little cracked and stuff like that uh, but there the politics of the time was it kind of ramped everybody up you know what I mean got everybody kind of agitated and, and emotionally invested to a level where they felt like it was life or death you know, and because we didn't have the proper tools of communication yet, it compounded that, you know, so I actually don't think that people were as or are as divided as they think they are. I think what they're experiencing is miscommunication. I think they're experiencing the lack of the ability to express themselves to others. And because of that, people are misjudging what they're saying. And so we're getting false images of the other. And that's creating a lot of havoc. It's creating a lot of chaos in our, in our culture and in our environment. And so it's like, how do, you, how do we get around that? How do, we, how do we move past you know the miscommunication? I think the biggest thing is we have to get over our fear of communicating properly. It's not just that the internet has brought this up. It's been a growing problem period, I think, in our culture. Communication at a base, you know. Uh, there's this... I think it kind of dovetails nicely into the effect of certain perspectives on culture, right? 
Um, if you think of a perspective as almost a personality, because it's, it's, it's kind of one of the ways you could describe perspective is it has like its own characteristics, you know what I mean? Like almost like emotions and, or at least emotions that are more dominant kind of a thing. And if you look at perspectives as almost personalities, then what we have is kind of proto personalities running around, um, that are, that are somewhat like a description of the base, like the real thing, you know, the, the people's real image of, of what they think, but it's, it's very like, it's very basic. It's like the very basic version of it. It's like the low resolution version of it. And so people don't have enough information to actually engage with those other perspectives because they're just too low resolution. And it almost presents the, it almost makes it seem like those perspectives are just lacking. Like there's just lacking information. They're lacking insight. They're lacking effort, whatever, you know what I mean? And you can see this on all sides. Everybody's felt this way towards another perspective at some point, right? But it's not true. It's an illusion. And it's, it's partially a product of the internet and, you know, the miscommunication that has stemmed from our, the evolution of this profound technology. And the other part of it is, is our, the effect of our culture on our perspectives. That's what I was trying to get to. And so what is that? The effect of our culture on our perspectives. What does that mean? Um, in the context I'm talking about it, I'm talking about more of our economic perspective as a, as a Western nation, the United States. You know, um, I think this connects nicely to some of the emptiness I was talking about in the first episode. Uh, but there's this material focus uh, that we have on things, especially in the United States. And, I, and many of you may be hard, like tired of hearing this point brought up because it's brought up a lot, right? Especially uh, on certain sides of the aisle politically, right? It's like there's this economic culture that's kind of tearing things down. And I think there's some truth in it. I think that's why it's brought up all the time. Um, but I also think it's kind of used as a as a, a weapon sometimes. Um, anyway, the uh, our economic system incentivizes winning in some sense, right? It, 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 sorry for my dog. My dog's getting kind of crazy. Hold on one second here. I'm going to have to settle her down. Hey, you, what are you doing? Can you not bark for me, please? I don't need no barking. Thank you. Come on. Okay, apologies about that. That is my sweet little uh, American Pitbull Terrier. She's, but she saw a dog running outside and she wanted to go say hi. <laughs> so, uh, sorry for the interruption there. But anyway, um, I'll try to get back on, on what I was saying. So, uh, the economic system that we've established, capitalism, right? I, I, I don't want to. I don't want you guys to think from the outset. I'm not trying to tear down the economic system. I think it is the best system we have developed up until this point, right? Um, but I do think that there's some some negative consequences of that system. It's not perfect. And one of those is it's, in, in a sense, ideally, it's designed to leverage competence, right? So if you are more competent at a certain job, you get, that is identified, you get rewarded for that competence, then you move up in the structure. You kind of get moved into a higher position where you have more power to affect things because, you know, you, you, you have the competence to do it. That's ideally the way that, that our, our capitalist structure is, is established, right? Is, is, is based on competence. But 
in you know inevitably structures are going to be infiltrated by negative actors right there's this inevitability to in some sense evil if you want to use that word but like this this uh, people with bad intentions they're, they're, they exist and they're it's inevitable they're going to get into these institutions and so <clears throat> what i think has happened is is what we've done is instead of looking at those structures our economy as a competence structure we've looked at it as a dominant structure and again this gets a little wishy-washy too because people are going to think about it in terms of like like patriarchy and i don't mean i, I please don't go that route because i'm i'm not trying to bring in the sexes with this this is like a very general talk like that it's dominance is really what i think people focus on what we actually end up at the end of the day associating our our economy with even people that are successful in it because if you look there is this certain thing that's happened where in order to be the most dominant you have to be the most ruthless kind of a thing right you have to be willing to kind of uh do what others won't and i think there's this backwards incentive structure within our our system right now where it kind of incentivizes people to be bad actors because there's a certain point that you can reach in the economy where if you're not willing to kind of cross those lines you can't become more dominant you'll actually start to be pushed out of the economy so anyway the reason i bring up and I, i'm kind of getting a little off topic with that but the reason i bring it up is because i think in general what that system has done over time is created this very shallow type of atmosphere where people are focused very much on only accumulation and consumption right i think this is intentional we can get into that in another episode uh but but it, that's essentially where we're at is that people are focused only on obtaining more wealth so that they can consume more right it's a cyclical process and when people talk about the rat race that's what that is you know it's getting people addicted to something you say it's the money or the or the the promise of more money right that's really what people are addicted to is the promise of more money and so they'll do anything in that process to continually go up and that's the right rat race right but it's very unhealthy because it 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 uh, isn't it's the wrong incentive structure completely people um People, sorry, hold on one second. Now you can hear my washer. <laughs> but it's a backwards incentive structure. Okay, so <laughs> this has been a little all over the place because I've had to get up twice. Um, but we're not thinking about why. Good ideas come from a different place than wanting dominance, power, or more money. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You do not get. You may reap benefits from that attitude, because it's obvious. There's many successful people in the world that have had held exactly that attitude: power, dominance, control. You know, despotism in some sense, in an economic way, but. It's not because they've been so successful. It's made it look like that's the correct way of being. Like that's how you become a good person, in some sense. And I often wonder if this is why our morality is so backwards right now. Is it that we place too much into our economic system? It's like during the '80s with Reagan and and you know this kind of deregulation, and the. 
explosion of Wall Street and the investor and this idea and kind of the businessman. There was this, along with it, it came this like egotism that I think has infected our system to a point where we need to kind of restructure it. Because the incentives are backwards. The reason I say that is I think we're, we're actively disincentivizing the right people that could bring the most value to the economy from engaging in it. Because there's many people out there that aren't about playing dominance games or they're not trying to just win the world. They just want to provide something with value. And if the only venue they have to get that idea out into the world is to play with people that are going to try to dominate and eliminate them, they have no way to play. See what I'm saying? And so you actually eliminate the possibility of more ideas, maybe profound ideas. Look at the best thinkers in history. Were any of them like dominant? Do they go out there, maybe besides Tesla, and like make like huge claims and and like argue against the world and all this kind of stuff? Very few of them did. Like most, a lot of them were like thinkers. They were intellectual. They were internal. A lot of them weren't even known until after their death. You know what I mean? Or popularized until after their death. The people that are the shiniest are not necessarily the people you want to follow. And what I mean by shininess is the people that... If you get a sense that somebody's acting around you, you're probably right. Now, if you go out into the world and you look in TV and you look at your politicians and you look at your friends or your family and apply that, you're going you're gonna to figure something out really quick. There's some people that are playing the game, and there's some people that aren't. And once you realize what that game is, it becomes very obvious. I think it becomes obvious where we're going wrong. <laughs> once you pull yourself out of that rat race, you know what I mean? That's what I mean by pull yourself out of it. Pull yourself out of the rat race, the constant struggle for more and more and more, the constant struggle for up, 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 in a monetary sense. It's very, it's a very restricted view. I'm not saying like that's not a good philosophy in general. Like, yeah, if you want to constantly push yourself and go up, 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 that's a good philosophy. Not if it's only focused on one thing. If it's only focuses on money, material wealth, you'll get that. The universe will give you that, but it's not going to give you anything else because you didn't focus on anything else. <laughs> right? I mean, look at the, look at the, the richest, most powerful people in the world. You know, what's one thing they usually have in common? I'm pretty lonely, <laughs> you know? I think there's a reason for that. Because if you pour yourself only into one thing, that's what you reap. And that's what the universe is trying to tell us, you know? I know I talk a little bit out there, a little spiritually. It's because I am. And I think it's true. And I hope that through this podcast and I'm talking through some of these ideas that I can kind of try to bring some of that message that I, I get all the time, you know what I mean? To you guys, you know? And, and maybe we can wake up a little bit because I see, I see a lot of, of the world out there running like rats, you know? It's like people are burying their head further in the sand, too. It's like as they start to realize, I feel like people are feeling this. I may be wrong, but I, I feel like maybe it was the turn of the decade. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just 
the volatility of the world right now, but there's some kind of distilling effect where it's it's making it clearer for me, and I feel like other people. And I think in some ways it's 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 we're we're coming up to a shift here. Our economy is not serving us anymore. Not the way we designed it to. And it's hard for somebody to say that. <laughs> because we're sitting here with all this prosperity. Like I'm sitting here right now in a one-bedroom apartment in Denver, Colorado in front of a computer with a mic. I have my dog. I have everything I'd ever need. And I'm sitting here saying it's not serving me. <laughs> but here's the thing. I still feel that. Even though I know it's ludicrous to say, I still feel that. Something's not serving us here. Something's off. Something's not... I think I think the econ our, 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 the way we structured our economy is actively holding the human race back. <laughs> I, I think I think that's what's happening. Capitalism is not the end all be all. It's maybe a part of the end all be all. It's not the whole thing. And whereas I went a little more politically in the first episode, I wanted to go a little bit more economic on this one. I guess I actually wasn't even planning on it. I guess, I guess that's what I'm doing. The economy is actively de-incentivizing good actors from entering it. And it's, in, it's, and it's rewarding bad actors. And so, yes, we have a hierarchy there, but we have a hierarchy of shitheads, essentially. <laughs> you have a hierarchy of who can be the biggest villain, you know? And... I don't... You know, I feel like I'm being very pessimistic on this, too. I, I don't mean to sound that way. Like, there's a lot of really good people out there. A lot of people with a lot of money that have done really good things i think the best example of that is bill gates bill i mean bill gates and warren buffett those two guys is jaw-dropping if you go look at how much money those 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 two men have invested in the rest of the world it's jaw-dropping it's 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 really humbling actually and it actually revitalized a little bit of my faith in humanity there's a documentary on netflix i think it's just a titled bill gates uh, but it's a documentary about his life. And if you're ever interested in figuring out a little bit more about how to be successful and how to do it right, I think Bill Gates is a good guy to look at. Because he went out into the world. He followed his dream. He had a vision for something that he couldn't really solidify when he was thinking about it, but he followed it anyway. And he created this operating system Windows that, I mean, it, it's probably part of the reason we have the internet itself. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's pretty profound what this guy brought to us. But he had if you if you think that that guy knew what he was gonna make when he was in the moment, he didn't. Nobody does. It's not like you go onto some website, download the schematics, and then boom, you have the new next idea. That's not how it works. It's it's a faith based thing. We don't use that term because it's only associated with religion. But faith is like a it's a. It's a belief in something other than yourself. And Bill Gates believed in something other than himself, and that's what Windows was. <laughs> you know? Like, that's, that's how people create the best things in the world, is they go outside themselves and they think, what could be better than anything I could imagine? And then they go do that. You know? It's like a pull that you feel. We've quietened, we, we, we've quieted that. It's like, the money is like a, it's more akin to a drug than it is to like sustenance. It's not like food. We think of it like food, like I need more money because I need to eat. It's no, no, no. It's more like a drug <laughs> in the way we use it, in the way we treat it. Money's the thing that you get a little bit of and you want more of, right? 
Money's the thing that can provide you a lot of happiness in the moment, but can provide you a lot of pain in the future, right? Or in the long term. Money is very, money's a fickle thing. I guess at the end of the day, where the real problem is, is money does not hold any intrinsic value. It's valueless. And then think about what do we hold as the most valuable in our world? The most valuable thing in our world. Without a doubt, nobody could to deny it. it's money. But it holds absolutely zero intrinsic value. Intrinsic being something that can't be taken away. Something that just looking at it, you can tell that's valuable. We want to keep that. Take a dollar bill, or screw it, take a million dollar check, and then set that right next to the Mona Lisa. And look at both of them. Immediately you'll realize what intrinsic value is. <laughs> Immediately. And that's what we're missing, that's what we're forgetting. Is that all of these things around us, there's things that have intrinsic value and there's things that don't. Doesn't necessarily mean you don't need the things that aren't intrinsically valuable. Sure, you need an intermediary sometimes. That's what money is, right? It's an enabler of, of, of it's an enabler in a sense, at a basic level. But it's not the end-all be-all. It has no intrinsic value. And so the moral of the story is, if you put all of your effort, time, thought, energy into that thing that holds no intrinsic value, at the end of the day, you're going to be looking at a check. And maybe you'll make that represent a bunch of different things. That's what people usually do. Instead of like, well, it's not just a check, right? It's not just a check. It's it's a TV and it's a car and it's comfort and it's blah, blah, blah. And they like associate all these other things with it. It's like, yeah, sure. You're not wrong with that. But that's just staring at the money. It, it is none of that. You know what I mean? You can go buy any of that stuff with it. But it's almost like you can't create intrinsic value from something that doesn't have it. You know what I mean? It's like you can't imbue something that just isn't valuable with value. True value. You can play this game like, ooh, this is worth this much and this is worth that much. And you agree? Okay, here, I'll give you that. Which is what we do every day. That's what our economy is. Like, ooh, this dollar is more valuable than this white piece of paper. You know, that's kind of it's all it is. So all I, I guess the reason I'm going this route with this one, I don't know. Like I said, this is uncut. This is just me flying off the cusp. I guess the reason I'm going with this one is, is to say like, hey, man, let's all reorient and rethink what we value and what we can intrinsic or what we consider intrinsically valuable, you know, let's consider the things that we hold dear, really, truly dear. And let's focus on those things. And I think the funny thing is, is if you do, if you do, once you find intrinsic value and you focus on it, it's almost like the universe starts to, starts to push you along a little bit. You know what I mean? Whereas the further away from that value you get, the more lost and empty you you feel, you know? You can go run off into this big apartment and a fancy job and 
you know, uh, or house or, you know, fancy clothes and couches and cars and money and food and sex and, uh, I mean, just anything you can think, valueless. Maybe it could hold value, some of those things, but you're going about it the wrong way. You're cheapening it by purchasing it. Don't purchase things. Invest in things. Think about it this way. You can go to Ikea and you can buy a $50 coffee table. Or you can go online. You can go on Etsy or go on any of these sites. Look up projects, self-made projects that people have made. Different designs, styles. And watch YouTube videos to figure out how to how to craft, you know, how to sculpt something, how to how to how to woodwork, how to measure, how to be an architect, whatever. Maybe that thing is actually calling you to your calling, but because you decided to cheapen it with money, you're never gonna find out. You see what I'm saying? Let's start going about this shit a different way. If any of you are lost, you're feeling empty, you feel like you need a you know, a rest stop, like I said in the last one. Go find some intrinsic value. And you know where it is. Don't worry, you know where it is. You feel a pull towards it. That's how, that's that, that's what shows you that there's value there. You know, it's those things that you like, if you, if everything was shut off, you just feel naturally drawn to. That's the intrinsic value inside of you trying to jump out, <laughs> you know? It's trying to say, ah, let me out. You've been holding me back. You've been buying shit and keeping me numbed. I need, I need to get out of here, you know? <laughs> I don't know if any of you feel that way ever, but I sure as shit did for a long time. And in a weird way, this is what my thing was telling me to do. So whatever your thing is, like, listen to it, okay? Let's, let's try to, let's try to, Let's try to bring some value back into the world. How do you do that? By focusing on the emotions and the things that you value most. Don't bring in that negative bullshit. Don't start to get jealous of other people. Don't watch other people. Watch yourself. Watch who you are. Think about what you really want, because a lot of people don't ever do that. Think about what you really want, and then follow that. Have courage to actually follow that, because that's what it takes. People don't like to admit that they're afraid, and so they don't ever follow their dreams. But really what it is, is they're, they, I mean, that's really what it is. They're afraid. They can't get over their fears. And I'm not trying, I'm not saying that as a criticism, because it's one of the most terrifying things you could ever do. You know, go talk to anybody that's ever done anything worthwhile and they've always taken a risk on it. You have to. It's a give and a take. That's the way the universe is structured. You don't get something for nothing. If you do, you're going to be punished for it. You, you, there'll be a comeuppance. There's a balance to this world that we've missed. And so we need to kind of rediscover that balance. And the way you do that is to bring a little more value into the world. We have too many things that are not valuable controlling our lives. We need more value in it. 
And the way you do that is focus on like focus on those positive emotions, focus on love, focus on on hope, focus on courage, focus on on strength, you know, focus on the things that um, focus on truth. Focus on the things that you don't want to say or the, the, you know, the things you don't want to admit to yourself or whatever the hell it is, man. Like, focus on that and things will come to be, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, this is, this is an experience for me, too. You know, when I, the first episode, I kind of said, you know, I'm making this for, for me as well you know like this is something that's you know because i don't know if any of you have ever done this a process like this where you just let your thoughts go but it's incredibly liberating (laughs) you know and i think has some intrinsic value there's something weird about just like unfiltering yourself and just letting her rip man you know what i mean let her rip let her rip tater chip (laughs) that's there's something yeah yeah and you know what? I, I kind of want to, I know we've been really serious. I want to pull us out of this seriousness because I'm feeling a little fun. Like there's a, there's a comedy, like there's a, there's a playfulness to everything. You know what I mean? I feel like the right path or like when you know, when you're, you know, when you're living in the moment because you feel this playful energy, it's like the universe is trying to play with you. You know what I mean? He's like, there you go. You found it again. Like, come on, stop being so fucking serious. You know, love, be happy, be, you know, you know, care for people, do all, I mean, it's like this, this, this unending happiness that you can discover, you know, but you got to get out of your own head, you know, you got to, you got to get into the moment, you got to focus on the good emotions, you got to do the work, you know, you got to actually do the hard things, you got to choose to go through, you know, the thorn bush, instead of just running away from it until it like, (laughs) you know, you run into it on accident kind of a thing. You got to choose those things, you got to choose the hard paths to produce the good path. You got to, you got to sacrifice the now for the future. And if you do that, you're going up. You're creating value. You're imbuing the world with more value than I had before. And that's how we make the world a better place, folks. Simple as that. Each and every one of us have a massive responsibility to pick up our own weight and to be the best version of ourselves. And if everybody did that at the same time, the world's a better place. Anyway, all right. Well, I think that's about all I got, actually, for now. Um, Someone's telling me that's about it. So thank you uh, for coming back and listening if you did. Um, I'm really enjoying this, and and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'd love to have engagement from you guys. Please do. You know, if you feel comfortable or you feel like something resonated with you or you want to talk to me or something like that, man, like, drop me a message. I'm going to get out on social media. I'm still in the process of launching this podcast, but there will be tools out there for you to communicate if you need to. All right? Uh, So with that, uh, that is going to be the Unfounded, episode two, signing off. I appreciate you guys. Until next time. Thanks.